This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that she practices every day that allows her to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader reminds us that no matter what happens in your life, you have a choice every day to live your life with success. Her determined spirit and mindset is one that has helped today's guest become strong through great personal loss. Listen in and see how you too can apply these strategies every day to live your life with success. Today on Mother's Day, we are learning life lessons from none other than my mom, Joyce Brown. Everyday Leaders, 50 and 50, Mother's Day Special, Show 17, starts now. Welcome to the program, Mom. I'm honored to be here. I am so excited. This is the special edition of Everyday Leaders, 50 and 50, Mother's Day weekend. So I am having my own mother on the show because all of us have a mother or have someone that has mothered us or have someone that has influenced us in our life. And so leadership is all about influence. And most of our people that surround us say, hey, I don't know that I'm a leader, but they are. That's what this program is about. So welcome, Mom. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So since I've known her all my life, I would like to just take this show in a really fun direction this time and talk about the things that have influenced me in my life around what my mom has taught me. And I think about all of these leadership principles that I learn and that I take people through each week. But the biggest thing that rings true with me and my mom is this persistence, this consistency, this factor of never giving up through life. And one of the quotes that we always laugh about is, (laughs) tell the story about when I was in the high chair. (laughs) Uh, She wanted... um I forget what, either it was oatmeal or Cheerios, and she was just not letting up. And I says, some days are oatmeal days, some days are Cheerios day. This happens to be whatever day that it was that she wasn't wanting her thing. And so she learned that whatever day it was, she got what the day it was. So It's all about choices. Yes. (laughs) So if I chose to have that kind of a day, it was going to be my choice. (laughs) And... There's so many lessons from that because we all get up and think, you know, this is going to be a great day or I don't feel good and I and I don't have control over it. So the lessons from that are you can do anything that you want every day. So you encourage a lot of people, though. You've babysat through the years. You've mentored people that you don't even think you've mentored. They come to you for advice. And and what do you feel in, in your friendships and your and your Um, relationships that you have with people, they learn a lot from you. And what do you always, you're consistent in a lot of messages. Yes, you are. (laughs) You're an influence through persistence. You've been so persistent in your life to make things exactly how you want them. So where did you learn that? Where did you learn persistence? I think some of it's just inborn. I don't know. I I can't explain it. You just keep going. I mean, it, no matter what happens, you just, you have to get up every day and, 
and keep trying. I mean, nobody's going to do it for you, so you have to do it for yourself. So my father always told me, if you lay in your bed, you, if you, let's see, how did he put that? <laughs> Uh, if you make your bed, you sleep in it. So, you know, like if something happens, you got to take care of it. So I guess he taught me well to be able to do that. You got to be accountable to your actions. Right. Yep. So you're um, going back. I mean, talking about your family, your grandparents had a market in a meat market, a meat market in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that's why we love Michigan so much. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, you grew up in Royal Oak, Michigan. Yeah, I think the meat market was on in Ferndale. I think it's, it was on 4th Street. I think it was in Ferndale. I'm not sure it was in Royal Oak, but it's no longer there, of course. But Like everything else. But as my Aunt Gretchen would say, there's a boulevard, and it's got beautiful trees, is what she remembers when you guys were growing up as we went to visit it many years ago. Oh, that's where my aunt and uncle lived, yeah, in Huntington Woods. Mm-hmm. Off of Woodward Avenue. <laughs> All in Michigan, beautiful Michigan. So when your grandparents, um, when they had this meat market, what are, your, what are your great memories about that? Well, my dad would take me in the back room where all the meat was hanging on hooks <laughs> into the freezer part. <laughs> and I, and the, the thing that I remember, he would uh, bring us home... Um, food from the store, of course. My mother never went shopping till we moved to Florida. Uh, he always brought food home. But one thing I remember, he'd always bring us ice cream. But then when the ice cream man came down our street, you know, we wanted ice cream from the ice cream man. And he says, no, we, I brought it home from the store. I think they finally let us have some from the ice cream <laughs> man. <though. laughs> so it was like, no, you already have it. So you never got to go and buy ice cream from the ice cream man? Well, I think he they finally gave in a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so you're you're one of three siblings. I'm the middle. You're the middle. You Which know what's not good <laughs> they say about these middle children. <laughs> I know, it's probably true. <laughs> so your brother Paul has a great quote and he always says, It comes from within. Right. And he has been through a lot in his life as well, but what have you learned? And he's your youngest brother, and you have an mm-hmm. older sister. And so, you know, growing up as the middle child, what are, what are the things that you really take away from that? Like, what's the biggest lesson that you learned being in the middle, the, the middle child? I'm not like either of the other ones. I'm unique. <laughs> You're unique. Right. Exactly. So a lot of people say oh, I'm the middle child, I didn't get this, or I, I didn't, um, you know, maybe I didn't get that, or maybe I didn't feel like I was the first, so I wasn't as important, or I was the baby, so I got left out. And the middle kids, you kind of get both. You get to see the oldest one kind of grow through that, and then you get to kind of be the older one for the younger one. <laughs> well, my, bro- my brother was definitely babied, so we tormented him a lot. <laughs> That's that, what's that wrong was, with him. <laughs> that, that was fun. We had a good time doing that. Oh, But I really never felt like that. But a lot of, you know, a lot of people do. And so, you know, what do you think in becoming a mother? So this is Mother's Day weekend. Becoming a mother, you, you know, your mom did a lot of great things for you. And unfortunately, she wasn't around after I was born, so right. I didn't really get to meet her. But what are the lessons that she taught you? Hmm. I guess just to never give up and keep trying. 
And that's what you've done. Mm-hmm. You've had a very tough life. It hasn't all been easy. No. I don't think a lot of people know that. And this show is about talking about all those secrets. And I, the thing I miss the most about my mother uh, dying before you were around, because I really never had anybody to tell me how to you know, raise you or, or what to do. I mean, I was like a stupid little mother, you know, first time mother and, um, really didn't have any true, um, friends or connections cause I moved shortly after that. And, um, so that was hard. It was hard, but you, what, what kept you focused? What kept you in that moment? Like knowing that you had this child and you didn't have any mentors to really help you. I just kind of played it by ear and <laughs> prayed a lot. <laughs> and and things happened. And so then, you know, things happened. And just not even five years after I was born, your husband passes away. Mm-hmm. And you're 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And that really, that was horrible for us. Because now you've lost your mother, you've lost your husband, and now you've got to kind of just figure things out on your own and work through life. And so, but understanding that you can, you had those tendencies of consistency and persistence and commitment and all of these leadership qualities that were put into you through your family that they did teach you. Like you didn't think that you had a lot of people, but you had that, that foundation of that teaching that kept you going. So you didn't give up. I had a lot of friends from the hospital after he died. I came back up here. I could have stayed in Florida, but, um, cause that's where... Uh, he was buried, and he lived out his few months of his life down there. His mother and father wanted him buried down there, so I let them do that. And then, but I had to come back up here because I had a job up here already, and I just felt like I needed all the support of the people I worked with. I knew my job, and I just wanted to get back and just get on with my life. So, so your family really. Be- was your people from work. Right. And so many people forget how important that is, their social network at work. Um, And today it seems like if you're not in an institution, if you're not at a school or um, an insurance agency or a, a nurse or something like that, that's kind of the social environment in these offices. And so many of us now work from home, and we've been talking about this on different podcasts, but... You know, there's this sense of isolation anymore. So if you had been in an environment where you worked from home back then, you wouldn't have had that social support system. That would have been horrible and critical for you. But you did. You had all these friends that you networked with, and they helped you get through this really tough time. But two things. I had nobody to relate to that was 30 years old in a uh, widow. Um, if I'd have gone to, I didn't even think about going to a support group, but they would have probably all been older and they wouldn't have understood. (laughs) So I really had nobody to talk to in that respect. And, um, it was just hard. I almost wanted to tell people I was divorced rather than widowed because I didn't want people to feel sorry for me, even at work when somebody that didn't know, you know, would come and say, how's your husband? Because they, you know, hadn't heard or something. Uh, Because I kept coming back to work, and then I'd leave and come back. Uh, I was on leaves, several leaves, um, while this was going on. Uh, His parents wanted to take him out to Stanford University, where his older brother had had Hodgkin's disease, and he was cured. But the doctor said 
it wasn't the same thing, and, you know, so they just treated what he had, but it didn't turn out as well. So anyway, uh, when I'd meet somebody in the hall, and I'd say, well, how's your husband doing? And, you know, and I, I didn't even want to tell him that he'd passed away because I didn't really want sympathy, you know. I just didn't want sympathy. You didn't want to bring your sadness on them. No. It was hard, you know. So, anyway, <laughs> let's yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a hard time, and but we, you know, you were taught all of these valuable lessons that you just, you know, you didn't really have a choice. You just got up the next day, and it was either an oatmeal day or a Cheerio day, and you made it the best day that you could. Mm-hmm. And you just learned every day what to do to make it better and better and better. And so, so as we, you know, a couple of years go by, and I come home from school, and I have this, I have this little sheet of paper that's that they used to send home. It was like a, a weekly newsletter, and you saw on there something about signing me up for a sport. And <laughs> don't laugh; it's your fault. <laughs> signing up for a sport, and it said hockey. And I thought it was like field hockey out in some field or something. So I said, okay, let's sign you up. So I signed you up. And we went, and it was ice skating hockey. And you'd never ice skated in your life. And it was at an open Perry Park before they enclosed it. It was freezing cold. Um, we had a fire pit that you could, like, you know, heat your feet up so that you could unlace your skates. I didn't have that much money, and the equipment was expensive. So we went to this. They said they had the used equipment we could buy so we always went to that sale every year before the uh, league started and got used equipment from people for you so um, it all worked out it all worked out so I was the only girl in this league for 12 years yes and and you learned how to deal with boys and the fathers would always tell them boys not to pick on you but I think it did you a world of good to be around all the boys because I was an only child so you kind of gave me that was my gift as having brothers young so I would learn kind of how to be around people Mm -hmm. and uh, so what do you think though going back I've always wanted to ask you this (laughs) do you think and there may be other families that listen to this that that knew me way back then but you know what do you think other people were thinking back in the 70s when there was a girl coming into a boys sport did you ever think about that no I just didn't want you to get hurt. And then when I saw you put on all those pads, I figured, well, you're not going to get hurt because <laughs> no matter which way you fall, you're, you're padded. <laughs> Man, my mom has been a supporter of me playing ice hockey since I was seven years old, and that's been a lot of years. But we've gone through life with playing hockey uh, all through school and then not playing until I was about 30, and then I got back into it with the Indianapolis Circle City Sirens and some other teams that we traveled around and we went to tournaments together and it's just been a great life from doing something that we didn't know anything about. And that was your favorite sport, ended up being your favorite sport of all. Just because we tried it. Mm-hmm. So it was, I think a great lesson there. By mistake. <laughs> by mistake. But but that is, it's fail. You know, I talk to, I coach a lot of people about this failing forward and going, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, well, why would I why would I try that? I don't. I, I can't skate. I can't do that. Well, they put a chair in front of her with a stick, and then they took the stick away, the chair away, and stuck a stick in her hand, and off she went. 
she didn't know how to ice skate at all. <laughs> so don't you think I got this determination from you? I don't know. Some of it, I think. <laughs> I think so. I think your father was a pretty determined person and your grandparents. And I was going to add one thing, too, that you went to three different um, kindergartens in three different states when your father was sick. We started you out in California, which I wanted to stay out there, but we couldn't. I loved it out there. And then we went to Florida because that's where your grandparents wanted to have your father pass away. And then we came back up here and you, um, I worked day shift and I didn't, I couldn't get you to the daycare in time for them to open. So the, I think the cook came by and got you that worked at the daycare and picked you up and took you to the daycare. <laughs> For that semester, and then thank God the next year you started in school, so that was okay. So it all worked out. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But it gave me so many life lessons because having that, you know, I thought about how many times I went to different schools as I was getting into school. So that's three kindergartens, and then first grade at one school, second grade at at Southport. Mm -hmm. I think it was Edgewood, the Bulldogs, school 69 in first grade, and then... Uh, Southport Elementary for second grade, and then Northeast Elementary for third and fourth, and then Southwest in fifth grade. And then that got me into the Greenwood school system for the rest of... And then you of, knew everybody. <laughs> and then I knew everybody. But, you know, I think that's what people ask me, like, why I can be so flexible and why I just let things kind of roll off my back now. And it, that's great. You taught me that, just to kind of go with the flow, because sometimes you don't have any control over what happens to you. But it's about how you react to things. Well, I learned after John died that um, a lot of these things that people worry about aren't, aren't important. I mean, you know, your health is probably the most important thing. They always say you can have all the money in, world, in the world, but if you don't have your health, it's not going to matter to you. So I just kind of, and I try to get up every day positive and, you know, if things don't work out, I try to deal with it, you know, as they come. But I'm not a negative Nelly, Nelly at all. No, you're not a negative Nelly at all. People that, <laughs> if they want to have a pity party, you don't go to Joyce Brown. <laughs> no, no, sorry. She, she won't stand for it. Next, next. <laughs> if I'm ever feeling down, I know that my mom can pick me up because she's going to be like, well, put it in perspective. Like, get over it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, when you when you are surrounded by people that have learned so much about life so young, they can really be your inspiration and your mentors. So, if you don't have somebody like this in your life, you should get them because they can teach you so much and help you through problems. They've already they've already been through so many things in life. And um and I just want to talk to you. I know you you went when I was in school, you were going, you know, going back um in nursing school because you're a nurse mm -hmm. and people that are going to listen to this are going to relate to that because I'm in medical. I followed your footsteps and mm -hmm. I got into medical. And Which I'm amazed because you couldn't ever stand the sight of blood. <laughs> I never even tried to encourage you into the medical profession because I didn't think that was... I knew you always had leadership abilities, but that's all I saw, and I didn't really know how which direction to point you in. So, But I've, I have been in medical for a long time, and it's the fascination, I think. Maybe it's about losing somebody to a disease, a health disease, and you want to try to figure out, like... How did that happen? And how, more just, well, you know, the Well, you like games, and it's all like a little puzzle, mm -hmm. you know? It is. And I'm. it teaches you to be on the lookout for 
everything and anything. I can look at somebody and tell you if they're healthy right off the bat, you know, if, if their lips are blue or their color looks pale or anything, you know. I mean, I can just look at them and say, okay, we'll have a health screening after this. <laughs> 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 my next event, you guys can all see my mom and you can ask her if they're if you're healthy just by looking at you. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, I mean, you're just trained to, you know, walk in a room and just do a quick, once over just for somebody, you know, and you're always assessing things, mm-hmm. always assessing. And I think that's a great leadership lesson because we talk about, you know, trying to become aware of everything that's going on in our life and then reflecting on that. And if you can become aware of where you are and what's going on and what you're doing and how you are affecting things, if you're progressing or you're regressing, you have to really put your life in perspective to make sure that you're on the right track. So now Joe has taught me and he's a professional photographer, your husband, that I'm more observant about uh, looking for things like when he takes pictures, he'll 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 point out things that I never even would see. You know, he's making me more aware to look for littler things that, you know, it's interesting how people, different people, different perspectives, yeah, have different perspectives Mm -hmm. like photographers and nurses and mm-hmm. that's why we have to surround ourselves with those five people that can kind of help us keep things in line and keep us focused yeah and learn different new things too mm-hmm. so who who would you say your mentor is people have lots of people that help them through things and difficult um you know things in life and you you know you've gotten through a lot and now you've been married to Jerry Brown, as Sheila Martin would say, Jerry Brown, is Jerry Brown there? (laughs) And uh, for, let's see, since 1979? Different people in different parts of my life. My dad was a big mentor. He was very gregarious. He loved plants, the outside, nature, music, very fun-loving, so he was a big one. He taught me my sense of humor. That's another thing I want to say before we leave. Um, <laughs> We're not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> never lose your sense of humor. That will carry you far. And I tell people when they're going through some thing that they think, oh, this is terrible. I'll say, wait a year and think about it, and it'll be a fun story to tell at the Christmas party. <laughs> That's true. So, but at the time, it's not really funny. But you know, it, it might be funnier later. So, what what's a story you can share about something that you thought was horrible, and then a year later it was funny? Well, now I haven't been able to think about that, so I don't know. <laughs> but There's well, a actually, lot of stories. Well, actually, when we went to California and I broke my wrist and fractured my elbow on different arms and uh, wait on the second day of a twelve day trip. Yes. <laughs> How did you do that? Uh, I wasn't paying attention. I flipped over one of those parking cement curbs, and I was looking up. We were going into the Dodger Stadium, and I was looking at the stairs, and I just went right over. And your arms were up, and your feet were up, and we were all like, what in the world just happened? So I got an ice pack from the lady and took the tour, and uh, then we went to the... No, wait a minute. Stop there. Oh. Because most people... (laughs) When... (laughs) You're laughing now. 
That's where I get my great attitude from. Most people, when they break their wings... Well, I didn't know it was broken yet. But, but they're incapacitated, and you're in so much pain, and all you did was smile and go, well, we've got to take the tour. We're here. I want to take the tour. And so you held an ice pack on your arm, not knowing that your your other elbow was fractured. No, I didn't even know anything was wrong with that one yet. And you just enjoyed the tour. Because I had that hand on my wrist with the ice, <laughs> holding the ice pack <laughs> But, you know, so everybody I tell the story to says, well, didn't you just fly home? That never entered my mind. Why not? I guess it's just the way I think. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get on to the next thing, go see what was wrong and have him. I had some uh, pain pills with me and some ibuprofen from a knee surgery, previous knee surgery. I think I braced myself. I didn't even know I was falling, but I think subconsciously I didn't want to fall on my knees, so I braced myself with my hands. So I think that's why I did that. But anyway, so I, I went to the bathroom and I took a pain pill and two ibuprofen. And, and went on I, with your day. <laughs> well, then I had to call Melanie because I couldn't get my pants buttoned up. <laughs> So she had to come in and help me, uh, and then the lady came into the restroom and had me sign all these waivers that I didn't want the ambulance. I'm not going to sue the L.A. Dodgers. Just, but then we went to UCLA. We went to the emergency clinic. Oh, first we had first we went around the campus. Jerry wanted to see. Oh yeah, Jerry wanted to see something. So we went. We drove around that. Then we, we went had and had, pizza. And then we had pizza. <laughs> and then we decided we better go to the immediate care. So we went to Brentwood Immediate Care. And then and then we were, got the x-rays, and the doctor said, I can't believe you're not in more pain. Well, the, these, the, the technician said, who's that lady out in the waiting room? Um, and I said, this, he thought it was a relative. He says, why are you two so happy? <laughs> and I says, well, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm not in pain. It's positional. So... As long as I keep it like this, I don't hurt. And what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. So he went and took, had x-rays, and he says, well, the okay. best. <laughs> Bad news is. Your wrist is broken on the left, and your elbow's fractured on the right. we got to put your left hand in a splint and your right hand in a sling. And you have 10 more days of vacation. <laughs> so no, I didn't even say that. Uh, so, so I, I just so said, thank it. you. <laughs> So we did it. And, and then Melanie went out and got me some pull-up pants, <laughs> and I tried them all on, and the, she brought me four pairs because I couldn't button my pants, and the, that's all I had with me. The lesson is, jeans. when you go on vacation, don't just take everything with buttons because yeah. <laughs> sometimes that doesn't work out so well. So they helped me cut my food and do my hair and dress myself, and the next eight days we had a great time. Oh, the next day we went to the Hearst Castle, went... On the if you've ever been to the Hearst Castle, all you remember is there's stairs up and stairs down and stairs up and stairs down. Spiral, then spiral, little narrow stairs. And we took the upstairs tour, and I thought this lady, the tour guide, was going to have a heart attack watching me come down the stairs because <laughs> I couldn't hold on to anything. So I put Melanie in front of me and Jerry in back of me in case I started falling or leaning back. They could, One of them could catch me. But that was a great tour too it was a great tour yeah. but looking back it is kind of funny to think that we did that <laughs> <laughs> and then we went up to monterey we had never been to monterey oh, so we spent beautiful. christmas eve and christmas day there and it was absolutely gorgeous like everybody has said and went to san francisco and rolled the trolley cars and and here you are with your broken wings <laughs> with your 
with your cast, kind of your sling and your all your other stuff and just kind of making it. But it was one of the best trips. I think we got to go up the PCH Highway. and mm. um, Bef- Before the earthquake or whatever, that the mudslides that closed it, yeah, that was like two weeks after we left, I think. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't have even been able to do that. Mm-hmm. So we've had some great trips. We Sausalito, took, we went to that. We went to Sausalito. We went over San the, Francisco. Went up to San Francisco. Hey, Dashbury. Yep, we did it all. <laughs> we did it all. It was one of those things that you got to check it off your list. And so, even, why would I want to come home? Even two broken arms <laughs> weren't going to stop you. <laughs> I swear that never entered my mind. I know. once it wouldn't have mine either. But that's where I get that from is you because there are a lot of people. There are still a lot of people that go, "Why would you have still been on vacation?" And it's like, well, we were already there. And I think it's just that attitude that you have from wherever. And I think it's these leadership qualities that I see in you that you just are like, I'm going to push through. I'm going to persevere because I have a goal in mind and I'm going to get there any way I can. You can throw rocks at me. You can break my bones, but I'm going to get through. Well, we had an agenda and I didn't want to ruin anybody's time. And I wasn't really in pain except when I moved wrong and... So I just didn't move wrong. It's a great leadership lesson. And I had a lot of helpers to help me feed me and cut my food. <laughs> That's right. You can't get through it alone, but you can do it with other people that are on your yeah. on your journey with you. See? And you say you have nothing to teach people. <laughs> you have a lot to teach. You have a lot to teach. All right, so talk to me about stress. How do you deal with stress? Well, I'm not the best one at that. Um, Everyday stress, not like breaking your arms on vacation, but stress. You know, you, because you've been through a lot and you've learned, you've just learned this consistent attitude. I guess try to think of some way to alleviate it. I'm not always the best at that, but um, my sense of humor, I guess, is, you know, the best thing, I guess I could say. It's one of the the best things. And, and talk to me about, um, you probably don't see yourself this way either, but, you know, when we talk about trade-offs, you have to trade off something to get something. <laughs> don't laugh at me. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to trade something off in life. So, I mean, when I think about being raised by you, we can all think of times when our moms have done something and we go, as we look back and we get older and we say, how did you do that? Like, how did you sacrifice this to be able to get here? And I think about you in nursing school, like you traded off a lot of time that you could have been doing a lot of other things to get through nursing school. You traded off time and energy and money so that I could play sports when we were just us trying to figure out life again. But are there other things that I'm missing that that you can speak into as a mom? Well, that was the biggest thing when I was going through school. I ended up working weekend option, and I went to school all during the week. And uh, A lot of people can relate to that, though. My husband made me uh, take Thursday off because that was the only night I was free before I started weekend option, and we went on a date night and just to get me away from everything that I was, you know. So that kind of helped me. Um, because you had to set up a consistent schedule, oh, you know, if you my yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of people that could be listening to this are have gone through or, or are going through nursing school. 
So if it's their master's, if they're going back for their BSN, if they're just, you know, or going through any kind of schooling, but you're doing it at night when you're, well, you're I, tired. I, I did a lot of the classes, the prerequisites, like after I worked the day shift. So then, you know, I took some, I doubled up on some of the classes and took some in the summer. And so, you know, my few years there were <laughs> but it's, just... It's really hard, and a lot of people do that to try to get ahead. But it was for a reason, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you finished your bachelor's, and you graduated from Marion College, and that was a great day. It was mm-hmm. a great day. It was on Mother's Day back in... <laughs> I forget what day that was. Well, what well, day did you quit? Mother's Day. What day did you quit? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good story. This is a great story. <laughs> so Will Osgood um, had the restaurant Piper's. Uh, right here in, in on the south side back in 1980, what was that, 89, 88? I don't know. I don't know, sometime. But, um, well, 89, that's when I graduated. Yeah, yeah, so 89, so Mother's Day weekend. So mom was graduating from college. She had sacrificed and done all these things, and I just watched her give all this up for this for this thing, like this goal, and, and I was so proud of her, and I said to Will, I need to take Mother's Day off <clears throat> from Piper's Restaurant as a waitress because my mom's graduated from college. And he said, <laughs> no. And I said, well, now wait a minute. Let's negotiate this. I need to go see her graduation at Marion College. I'll come in early, and I'll even come back after the graduation. If you leave, you're fired. And so <laughs> I came in in the morning, and then I turned in my uniform, my little apron and said see ya because I could not believe at that age I mean I think he probably thought yeah you just want to go home and be with your mom but she really did she accomplished a lot and I wasn't gonna like say I have to work so that I had to miss a graduation I don't think was... that was your best job ever anyway. <laughs> it was so important <laughs> I'm kind of social so if you were if I waited on you when I was that one time that I was a waitress you probably, your food was probably cold. You probably didn't get any drink refills because I was socializing with a lot of other people in the restaurant. But now that's why I have a podcast so I can socialize. But um, anyway, yes, that was, those were fun memories because we would sit back there and eat the teacup bread and butter all night long. And it was delicious. But uh, yeah, Piper's good, fun memories. I think I've actually talked to Will about that story recently and uh, and he doesn't remember it, of course, because it's been so long ago. But it was really funny at the time. It's one of those that I look back and go, yeah, I, I just quit my job. But, you know, um, it was okay because it was for a great reason. So tell me anything else. You've taken my 15 laws class, my 15 invaluable laws of growth. That was a great class. I recommend that to anybody. So what do you think... Um, because it, it talks, chapter one is really, and I taught a class last night on this, intentionality. And it all starts with our intention to be, to be influencing things in our life. The right intention. Like you said at the very beginning, we choose either it's going to be a Cheerio day or it's going to be an oatmeal day. <laughs> but we have to get up with the right intention and the right mindset. And so how do you keep in that right mindset? every day. What do you do? Well, I'm known for my post-it notes. (laughs) (laughs) And I have lists. I'm a list maker. 
and I get up and look at my list. If I don't have it, I work at the food pantry on Thursday uh, mornings at our church, and I feel really uh, grateful, you know, when I go in there and do that and help people. Uh, but and I worked uh, at this little job until I was seventy-three, and then I quit that because. Uh, Wait, you're past fifty. You're 50. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so anyway, I have more time now, and Jerry retired, so we travel, try to travel more. Um, But where was I going with this? (laughs) Um, Your Post-it notes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I get up, and I look at my Post-it notes, and I try to do the things, you know, weather permitting and stuff that I need to get done uh, and if I don't get them all done that day, oh, well, I don't worry about it. I'll just keep them out and, you know, check them off another day. And there's probably more things that I add, you know, <laughs> along the way. So that's kind of how I arrange my life in, like, little lists and post-it notes. Yeah, post-it notes. <laughs> so when you see a post-it note out there, everyone, think of my mom. <laughs> well, I, it declutters your mind to get it out of your mind in somewhere else. And I have, like, a... Jerry and I, well, we used to have separate, uh, he used to put things in his phone that he had to do in me, but now that we're traveling more, I make him do a together calendar, so if I say, you know, are we going to do, can we do something this day, we can both look at the calendar and see, of course, when you get older, you have doctor appointments and dental appointments and all this stuff, you know, that uh, he volunteers at MacArthur, too, so, and he works at the... um, alumni room a lot so we have to kind of organize our time that way so we just decided to make uh one calendar for both of us I still have a calendar uh, book in the back room that I put all my stuff on too just in case but um write it down and also yeah. put it in electronic probably the biggest thing that's changed in your life, I'm not good at putting it in the in the phone, so it's, I still have the books. Though. Yeah, it's just making you know trying to get up to date with all the technology mm-hmm. to make it useful for you. And I know I push a lot of things on you, and you do really well learning. How do you how do you do that for people that are are in their seventies? I used to be afraid of a pager. You got me over that when we worked at the tissue bank together. Then the fax machine scared me. And then what was it? Oh, you got me an iPad before the iPhone. Thank God, or I would have never. And it was easy. The iPhone was easy after the iPad because I was used to, yeah. But I just kind of, I still ask a lot of questions. But but you're not afraid to ask questions. No. That's the biggest thing is, you know, for people that are. I'm a question asker. I've always been a question. That's how I learn, by asking questions. So what do you think you just in a teaching moment, the biggest lesson that you learned is just looking frantically at her notes. <laughs> <laughs> just take a deep breath. <laughs> Chill out. Um, the, what's the biggest lesson, leadership lesson, do you think that you've learned in your life that you could teach others? You know, you, you learned how to fail a lot because we all do. We do things and we go, ah, oh, probably would have done that differently. But what do you think the biggest takeaway is? As you look back, um, you can't do things by yourself. I'm I'm a bad one for not asking for help when I need it. You know, um, 
you should try to do that more because people, you don't realize uh, a lot of people would love to help you if you would just ask. But, you know, just don't take on so much that you think you can do it all by yourself because you, nobody can. So you need people around you to help you. Amen. Amen. So here we go. Any last thoughts on, on leadership principles on the 15 laws? Anything that you want to share about what that experience was for you? It just made me a lot more aware of, like, you get up every day and you just are kind of in a rut and you have to get out of that and go out into the world and experience other things and try new things and just... Don't be afraid. Yeah, don't, like, just sit in your little rut and that's it. You think that's okay today, I'm going to do this or this. You know, don't, you know, get out and... I always read the paper, see if anything new is going on that I can go out and try. I did some... <laughs> went to Michael's and did some, a few flower arranging classes. It's not really my big bag, but I, I made a wreath and a table decoration that I'm proud of, so that ended that. But now I can kind of look at something and kind of see how it's put together. And you and I went up to... did one in, what, Michigan City or somewhere? In New we Buffalo. Were, New mm-hmm. Buffalo when we were up there. That was fun. That was a whole different experience <laughs> but it's you know the, I think that whole series of teachings really made you start thinking about things that you may have never tried to say okay I can try this but you're not always going to be in love with them but at least you can have something to talk talk about with other people some new thing to talk about you know in, in your conversation if you think you're just getting bored and stuff mm-hmm. because it's all about you know, life is about living it. My mentor, John Maxwell, will say, there's a lot of people in life that are dead. They just haven't made it official yet. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Amen. And and so your spirit, Mom, has always taught me that every day is a new day, and you have to just appreciate everything and everybody around you because life is short, and you don't know when things happen. And... So you just have to enjoy the people around you and you have to make the intention in your life that things will always be better. Well, there's some people like when they turn 50 or 60, they just say, oh, that's old. I guess I just sit down in a chair and rock, you know. They just have a mindset of an age is going to be their undoing. Mm-hmm. I don't think of my age at all when I'm in the world. <laughs> I think I'm a peppy German. <laughs> a peppy German, a stubborn German. But that. Peppy stubborn German. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to be slowing down anytime soon. So, nope. Well, thank you for being on my program. Happy Mother's Day. The special edition for my 50 and 50. And uh, everybody, do the great thing. And if you have a mom still in this world... Uh, it's a special day, so share it with her in any way that you can. If you have someone that's special in your life, do something great for them. Add value to them. That's the leadership lesson. It's all about adding value to people that you love and that have inspired you. And so this is my my host, my tribute to my mom. Thanks, Mom. Oh, I love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis. 
Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guests from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful New Fields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Early bird registration begins on April 20th, 2018. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.